and welcome to Pod on the Dog, episode 14. A big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this podcast. Did you know that feeding your dog a raw diet has never been easier? No faffing around with blending vegetables and ensuring that your dog is getting a balanced diet containing all vitamins and nutrients that they need. Because Natural Instinct has pre-prepared portions, whether you have a big dog or a small one, so just head over to their website and hit Verity 15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. I'm your host, Verity Harcastle, and you can find me at Verity Harcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. So, on to my guest. Joining me from the opposite side of the world, actually from the future, this absolutely fabulous handler and groomer seems to be able to turn her hand to any breed. She is such an inspiration and her poodle silhouette is to die for. This kind and funny master of the shears also handles her dog so beautifully in the show ring. So I'm here to get all the tips for us, guys. It's May Wong. Hi, May. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, May. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So can we start at the beginning? What was your first yeah. dog and your first dog memory? Okay, so my first dog is actually a Spitz mix. So it's a it's a mixed breed and I we don't know what breed she is, but she looks a bit like a Pomeranian, a little bit like um, Japanese Spitz, but she's not big and she's not small, so we have no idea. Mm. Um her name was Mickey. So um, when I first got her, I didn't know anything about dogs. So basically, I have no idea whatsoever. And um, she actually taught me a lot of, you know, how to become a pet owner mm. in terms of, you know, how to look after them. Not grooming-wise. It's more on, you know, how to... Um, what to feed them and the uh, mm. medical issues, how to, how to look after a pet, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, like kids, they have How to know when the nails are long. That's right, yeah. Like, that. how yeah. To, like how to bath them, you know, <laughs> so those things, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's my first pet, yeah. And then what about your first show dog then? How did that first bits take you to, you know, where you are now? Yeah, so um, actually my first show dog I, I didn't go and get a show dog he, mm. he's actually my grooming competition dog oh, so okay. I I traveled to Brisbane for a grooming competition and I actually borrowed him his name his name is Tango so I borrowed him from a breeder for the grooming competition so after mm. the grooming competition I asked the breeder I, I asked her I said can can I take him back to Melbourne with me he, he's an ex-show dog so, mm. so he's no longer being shown but he's still in the you know the show coat coats yeah so I, yeah so I asked the breeder I said can I take him back to Melbourne with me so I can you know continue practice the um the show training and she said oh yeah you can take him back and then later on I asked her can I take him to the dog show I thought, you know, if I go to the dog show, I will learn more about the trim because when you go to the dog shows, you talk to the other show people, the show yes. breeders, the show exhibitors, mm -hmm. and that's how you learn more about the trim. And that's how I got into dog show. So, um, so he taught me a lot of things. He taught me about the trim, mm -hmm. about taking care of the show coat, um, about handling. And um, because when I first went to shows, 
I have no idea what I was doing. Um, I, I didn't even, you know, go for um, handling lessons. And I just took the dog and I went into the ring. <laughs> I totally have no idea what I was doing, you know. So he, he taught me all these things, like the handling, everything about, you know, showing poodles. And um, that's, how, that's, how, that's how I got into dog show. Yeah. It's actually a lovely sort of model to start on as well, seeing as though he knew kind of what he was doing. He was sort of training you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was training me how to show, actually. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. mate, this is how I stand. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. So um, so I actually won um, Best in Show in the grooming competition with him as well. So that was really lovely. Basically, wow. he teach me about about the show trains and um so he was with me for two years and then he went back to the breeder and yeah. i actually got his son uh, which is also a white miniature poodle mm-hmm. and um and i continue showing his son at the you know and wow. improving improving the show train yeah. so um that's how you know i highly recommend any groomers who wants to improve on your grooming go to the dog shows that's my advice 100%. yeah yes. i actually yeah. i actually totally totally agree with you there because mm. kind of a similar situation with me i although i'd shown a doberman before i hadn't ever mm. shown a poodle it's totally different totally different yes. thing it's going into a new breed is like starting again and yes. um and i doubt I wasn't you know of any great level showing my Doberman and then I got my poodle I was doing grooming competitions and then I went into showing afterwards and it was with that that I really brought me on and I learned so much from the people around me who would just come and tweak little bits here and there and Mm. explain Mm. why and then you'd stand back Mm. and think yeah my dog does look better you know it was it was, it was a great schooling for sure that's right but you know before I started going to the dog show I just groom. Mm. I, I just groom the dog. But after you have been to the dog show, you are actually grooming the dog. Like um, in um, you sort of like look at the dog in the conformation way, the body structure, and you tweak the groom into the dog's shape mm-hmm. because a groom may not suit every dog. Mm. So let's say you have ten poodles. You can't just put one trim into all these 10 poodles. Each individual poodles, they have to have slightly different trim. That's how I think how you improve the trim, you know, and also the breed. First, you need to understand the breed structure, the, the profile and all that. So I think, yeah, so that that is the different, you know, grooming the dog and grooming the dog to the conformation. Yeah. You're a tailor, May. You're a master That's tailor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and the dog's hair is its suit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but I'm I mean, I'm still I'm still learning. So oh, you, know, you just yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, you never stop learning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, I was told by somebody that once you think that you've learned it all, you might as well hang up your scissors because no matter if you've been grooming 10 years or, mm. or, or 30, 40 years, there's always mm. something to learn, you know, off everybody yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and also because if you look at the trains on poodles like 20, 30 years ago, they're mm. completely different to what we're doing now. So in that way, it's like you never stop learning because, you know, we keep improving the trains yeah. Yeah. and they're changing. And also there's so many breeds out there. So you can't, you can't 
know how to groom every breed. That's no. why you you need to learn all the different breeds and all their different trains and you know how to look after their coat. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Because obviously we know that you've handled everything from American cockers, <laughs> terriers, even and, and and obviously poodles. I mean, you couldn't get three more different coat types, could you? Um, the reason why I got into different breeds was because I, I want to do the grooming competition and I want oh, yeah, to yeah. Improve, <laughs> improve the grooming. That's how I got into different breeds. And um, it's a bit crazy, actually, because after I got my poodle, I wanted to learn about hand stripping the gun dogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's how yeah. I got into American Cocker. So I, because I want something that is not too easy for me, but also something that I need skills to, you know, to groom them. So I picked American Cocker. So that's how I got into American Cocker. Yeah. And then after, after I got into American, the, the gun dogs and I thought I need to learn hand stripping mm. so I went and got a, a Welsh terrier to, to learn the hand stripping you know so that's how I got into different breeds um, and because I at that time I was going for the groom team in Australia because mm-hmm. in groom team you need to learn, you need to know poodles hand scissor the gun dogs and the terriers mm. so that's how I got you know, into different breeds. Yeah. It is, it is such a, a great thing to actually own the breed, to be able to, you know, on a weekend, just put them on your grooming table and just keep working mm. the coat. It's, uh, it's yeah. very different to just, you know, be it client dogs. Yes, I agree on that. Um, and also um, my way of learning things is a little bit different to others. Um, I want to, you know, have a show dog in different breeds because, for myself, I think it's sort of like forcing myself to improve because if you go to the dog show, you can't go to the dog show without grooming the dog. Yeah, You need to groom the dog. So that is sort of like I I um, forcing myself to groom the dog every week. That is how you improve the trim. Yeah. So by going to the dog shows, you look at other people's dogs, your competitors' dogs, and you, you improve from there. So uh, in a way, it's learning about the trim and the grooming as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get better. So may you create, obviously, the most beautiful grooms. What's your secret to beautiful prep work, be it on a silky coat or a wool coat, for instance, for the show ring? Do you have any top tips on your prep? Um, I would say beautiful coats don't don't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, if you go to the dog show, um, the beautiful coat happens way before the night, before the shows, because it's all about, you know, maintaining the coat in, um, before that. So um, I would say a lot of conditioning, baths, brushing and um, bending the coat. Um, but for show days, like show weekends, I bath mm-hmm. the dogs the night before. Obviously for silky coat, you need a good shampoo, good conditioner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to turn the coat into like beautiful, silky and healthy. Um, for poodles, I use like texturizing shampoo without conditioner. Yeah. Because you, you want beautiful plush coat. So, um, yeah. So a, it's a good, lot of work then. And, and do you a think lot there's of a work. nutritional yeah. element as well? Are you quite conscious about what you're feeding your dogs? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, good diet for the mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah, 
um, quality uh, food, say uh, like my poodles, I give them fish oil as supplements and raw food. Yeah. So good quality food is very important as well. Yeah. So how do you train a young dog for the show ring, May? Do you have, you know, do you do a little every day or every week, for instance, standing the dog? Do you, have you got any advice for anyone with a young dog thinking about entering the show ring and trying to learn more? Yes, um, patience. <laughs> uh, definitely a lot of patience. And uh, yes, I agree. Um, you need a lot of table work, like table mm. training. So um, when I have puppies in, you know, under my care for shows, so what I normally do is I put them um, on the table, say, four to five times a day, mm-hmm. just um, whenever you can, just pick them up, put them on the table, stack them just for like, like a few seconds yeah. for the start. And then after that, you just increase the time slowly, um, maybe put them on the table for a minute and then, mm-hmm. you know, just stand there. Just get them, you know, used to being on the table and then make it fun, you know, like yeah. um, the, the lead training. So put them in the, on the lead and then you run in the backyard with them or um, get them used to the lead on their neck. Um, so they may like a treat, they may like a toy. So mm-hmm. um, what I normally do is I, I choose a toy or a treat that they like, but I only use those treat and toy for uh, like training specific yeah that's right so Good they tip. don't get those toy or treats any other time only mm-hmm. for when we are training yeah, so that's, that's really how i do it yeah 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 i've got um like a little furry mouse that i use yes. and it's got a squeak yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and i'm just one, yeah it's like a lure yeah my one of my young poodles she loves balls Mm. So I have a collection of balls, the squeaky balls. Yeah. She loves them. So every time we do a training, she gets a new ball. Oh, So yes. she loves it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. My poodles are all absolutely tennis ball mad. And Kong do some mini ones. Yeah. They're, they're brilliant because they're just the perfect size for poodles, little, well, smaller poodles, little mouths. Yes, that's right. And the squeaky ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you handle a variety of breeds. Obviously, we've spoken about these terriers and gun dogs and lots of poodles too. What are your top tips then for exceptional handling in the show ring? Once once we've done all the training, mm. we've got a good dog. I think um, the, the most important thing is bonding with the dog that you handle. Mm. So the dog needs to have to like you. If they don't like you, then they, they won't listen to you. And, and I think... Sometimes I think they're a bit like children as well, you know, like working with children. You need to understand yes. what they what they like. So, um, again, it's back to treats and toys, you know, finding what they love and mm. work with them from there. And bonding, I think bonds is, bonding is very important. So, um, um, and also, uh, I'm actually relatively quite new in showing only five years. Mm-hmm. So one thing I love to do is after showing my dogs or when I'm waiting to go in the ring, I love sitting ringside and watch other people handle their dog. Yeah. And I learn from there. So I, I like to sit on the ringside and watch how they communicate with their dogs, mm-hmm. especially the top winning handlers. And just watch them and see what they're doing and why they do certain things. And um, sometimes I 
talk to them as well and I ask them why well, why do you do this or why do you do that and mm. yeah get some tips from them yeah. yeah it's almost like the best handlers you see you almost don't see them so yes. when you you find yourself looking at the dog watching the dog and then you realize oh there's actually somebody at the other end of the lead they almost become invisible yes they make yes. it look so effortless don't they that's right yeah so how important do you feel grooming of your show dog is for success in the show ring? So do you think an excellent dog with an average groom can be crowned best in show alongside maybe an exceptionally well groomed dog with just average composition? I actually, from a groomer's point of view, I think it's extremely important <laughs> um, yeah. because I'm a groomer. You know, so we, we, I think we, as groomers, we tend to see things differently. So mm-hmm. everything has to be perfect. But again, it's the, it, I think it really depends on the judge on the day as well. Some judges, they are not fast, you know, they're, they're more, um, about the confirmation of the dog, yeah. not, not so much about the presentation. But for me, every time my dog goes into the ring, they have to look perfect. Yeah. If they don't look perfect, I, sort of like get a bit um, nervous because mm. the dog is not perfect. Yeah, yeah and then so. the dog will pick up on that. <laughs> That's right, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I actually so. um, I actually think that I've never thought about it like that, but, yeah, actually some judges you do, they're maybe more old school. They just want to feel the structure yes. of the dog. It's not all about the glamour. That's right, yes. Mm. But, you know, again, if you look at most of the top winning dogs, they're all presented immaculately. Yeah, so this is, it, this is true. That's right. Yeah, so beautifully presented. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm. very important. So my yes. last couple of questions for you, May. So when I first started out showing dogs, I was maybe nineteen, and I was handling my Doberman at a breed club championship show. I was really, really nervous. I used to get nervous. I don't know why. I think it was because my dog was quite young and a little bit naughty that I would feel really conscious, especially with obviously everybody watching you. Anyway, I was fumbling around. I'd stupidly, I was really eager and I went into the ring first, lined up first, you know. When you're a novice, that's the worst (laughs) thing to do because then you're like, where do I go? What do I do? (laughs) Where's the triangle? Yes. Yeah. Um, And I'd done my turn and it all gone okay. And then the judge had asked to move us all again. I had a bait bag on my hip with liver in it. Anyway, I forgot to do it up. And so mm. I set off, obviously with Adobe, you've got to move quite fast. So I set off running. Anyway, I was just like throwing liver everywhere out of my <laughs> blooming bait pocket. And then lo and behold, I realized like halfway around, I looked back and all the other Dobermans were just like throwing the owners left, right and center, nose to the ground, trying to collect my like Hansel and Gretel liver trail that I'd left behind me. I was absolutely mortified. I must have been like a beetroot. I was so embarrassed, so red, you know. I was already nervous and then I'd made a right holy shuffle of myself. Anyway, obviously you're fairly new to showing as well. (laughs) Have you had any equally horrendously embarrassing moments? I think not as embarrassed as yours. (laughs) God, no! Mine's the worst! Um, but I remember one time I went to the show, uh, and I forgot to bring my jacket, you know, or you call it blazer, Mm -hmm. you know, the show blazer. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, on that day, I wasn't wearing like a uh, one color skirt. I was wearing a pattern skirt, like colorful skirt. <laughs> like ta-da, so here I, I am. <laughs> yeah. So I forgot to bring my jacket because my jacket was supposed to be like a pink jacket, one color. Mm. And obviously I, I was like, only few dogs before me to go in the ring. And I was like running around looking for someone, you know, to, to lend me a jacket. <laughs> and in the end, luckily I found one exhibitor. She has a jacket in my size. It was actually a little bit tight. And, but the problem was, <laughs> the problem was the jacket wasn't in my, in the color that suits my, my skirt. So my, my skirt was more like a pink color, mm-hmm. but the jacket was mm-hmm. orange. But unfortunately, oh I have no choice. I have no choice. But so I was wearing this orange jacket with pink skirt, which is you know totally unmatched. Clash, and yeah. I know, and I just have to run, you know, go in the ring, and because there, there was no choice for me. Maybe, maybe it was a winning combination, though. Maybe the judge was <laughs> like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit embarrassing, you know. So that that was the first time, and. From there on, I always make sure I have two suits in my car yes. um, in case something happens, then I have a backup. Yeah, there's nothing so, worse than forgetting something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was quite embarrassing for me, yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, I totally feel you. I'm always forgetting things. I'm always panic running to a stall to get some hairspray or you know I'm always doing the panic run normally my badge clip I always lose you know that holds your ring number yeah always lose that <laughs> I'm constantly nicking everybody else's like let me borrow it oh just always I just arrive in a big whirlwind of stress <laughs> yeah <laughs> not, it's I not know. a good way to start a day so yeah. with so many wins under your belt, obviously in a successful grooming career and obviously your success in the show ring, what are your proudest moments, mate? I think um, it has to be becoming a member of the Groom Team Australia. Mm. I think that for any groomers, I think that is something, you know, that is the proudest moment because yeah. um, um, to become a Groom Team member, obviously you need, to learn a lot about the trains and different type of coat. So, yeah, I think that that would be my proudest moment. Yeah. You worked really Mm. hard as well. I know how much effort and time people put into doing that campaigning to do that amount of shows you have to do. And and Mm. it's not that, like we discussed, it's the preparation of all the dogs at home and it's so much work, isn't it? It, it is the behind the scenes learning, like the late mm. night grooming, the late night, um, you know, grooming. Um, and yeah. basically you're working seven days because Monday to Friday you groom in the salon, but on the weekend you go to the shows. So basically mm. it's seven days. Yeah. Do you drag your children to the dog shows? Um, when they were younger, <laughs> but not now. My, my kids are quite, they're quite they're teenagers, so they're quite yeah. old now. Yeah. yeah, so they don't go to the dog shows with me. But my husband come along. He loves the dog shows. Does he? <laughs> yes. My, my <laughs> husband, he was so keen. Like, we've been together maybe 12, 13 years. And um, mm. at first, when he was first, you know, wanting to date me, he was so keen. He used to come with me. <laughs> he was so keen. Now, 
No. No. Can I guess no? Early, not early morning and late night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> So in Mm. this episode's breed focus, we're talking all things Welsh Terrier. The Welsh Terrier, as the name suggests, heralds from Wales. Although the specific breed was evolved in around the 1700s, there is a record of a Welsh Terrier as early as 1450. Some even say it's one of the oldest existing Terrier breeds. This tenacious and brave Terrier was bred to corner, drive out and go to ground in the pursuit of foxes, otters, rodents and badgers. They resemble a mini Airedale. This keen hunter is full of personality, personality, independence and exuberance. They have a functional wire coat developed to protect them from the elements in the Welsh mountains where they worked. Their soft undercoat keeps them warm. Their longer waxy wiry layer on their jackets acted as their waterproofs. And they, even their hair serves to protect them when they're out working in the brambles and thick undergrowth because it releases really easily if they got tangled on anything. So they've got a really high prey drive. Does this make them really tricky to live with, May? Are your cat-loving neighbours popping for sale signs out in your neighbourhood? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the one thing I have to say is Welsh Terrier, they're, they're not a breed for everyone. They are a breed that is not easy to live with. Mm-hmm. They are um, super active mm-hmm. and they never stop. <laughs> so um mine he's four and a half years old now and he's still like the first day I got him like a puppy you know, mm. like a puppy they, they never stop they're very active and they're always on the go yeah do you find them independent as well they are very independent so um they are not a cuddly dog or a lap dog so they mm-hmm. they only they only cuddle to you when it's on their term you know they're like so, a cat. <laughs> yeah, they're they're basically like a cat, actually. Yeah. And and I actually love it because I have poodles. Poodles can get very needy. Oh my gosh, and, aren't they? Yeah, they're very needy. So so mine, mine just carrier, want to be a scarf, you know. They just yes, love yeah. to be a scarf. That's right. Yeah. So um and because I have poodles and then I have the Welsh and um they're completely different personalities and I actually quite like them because mm. um yeah, they're, they're really fun dog. They're, they're fun to have, yeah. Mm. And they say that of all the terrier breeds, the Welsh is actually one that actually gets along with other dogs really quite well. They're quite a sociable terrier. Um, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least not mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually think having mine is like having 10 Edels. Oh, Wow. Because mine, he's really like feisty. He's always on the go. He, mm. he's like um um like sparring with other dogs all the time. But maybe because he's a show dog, you know, he's not a pet. So um, he doesn't really get along with other dogs much, except if they're bitch. Can I say bitches or female yeah, dogs? So with bitches, he's fine. But if he's with other dogs, uh-huh. he, he can get a bit, you know, funny. So, um, but I'm not sure about other people's Welsh, but that's my Welsh, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, terriers, I, I just, I would always be a little bit worried with it if I owned a terrier because I've got a cat as well. I would, you know, even mm-hmm. if you had them from a puppy, I'd always be a bit worried leaving them in the room together. 
Yes, but I've known, you know, some Welsh Terrier have lived with cats and mm, other breeds. Yeah. They, yeah, but just not mine. Mine is a bit special. <laughs> we have a there's, a, there's a lovely groomer in the UK here who has a Welsh and she has a cat, I know, and other dogs and children. Mm. And I think he's just a really laid back family member. Yeah, mine loves children. So yeah. just not with any other dogs. Yeah, yeah he yeah. loves children. He, love, he loves kids and children. But maybe not the young, like one or two really, or three years old. Yeah. That's right. Yes. More like um above five years old. He loves mm-hmm. them. And yeah. he's more like um like a people dog, not not so much other dogs dogs, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So famous Welsh owners throughout history include John F. Kennedy, Clint Eastwood, Ingrid Bergman, and Army Hammer. So now we're at the end of episode 14. I'm just going to finish off by asking May my quick fire questions. I just want really quick, honest answers, May, and no bull. So are you ready? Yes. (laughs) So your dog food of choice? Raw. Favourite place to walk your dogs? Park. Number of dogs under your room? Currently three. If you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? Definitely a poodle. (laughs) (laughs) It's like 98% everybody's answer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Favourite holiday destination? I would say UK because it's so close to everywhere else. Oh, brilliant. Oh, no one's (laughs) ever said that. Brilliant. (laughs) Your worst nightmare dog breed to own? I would say a hairless dog. A hairless dog, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no, because no grooming, you see. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it would be a nightmare. <laughs> I think it's the um, it's the feel of them, like the clamminess, you know. They yeah, kind of and feel also sticky. Life, yes, and life would be so boring without grooming. Oh yeah, you know? agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. But also, so think how much think how much time we'd have on our hands. I know. <laughs> yeah that's a wrap thank you so much for joining me and may wong we'd be delighted if you gave us both a follow on instagram may can be found at may underscore m dog thank you to everybody for listening and please don't forget to rate share and most importantly subscribe to pod on the dog a big thank you to natural instinct for sponsoring this episode if you fancy changing your dog to a natural and fuss-free way of feeding a raw diet find out more by heading over to the website and applying the code verity15 how great is that much love